Welcome to the Limitless Potential Podcast, where together we will dive into the personal, business, and career-rich tips, techniques, stories, and experiences of some incredibly successful and inspirational people, each with their own perspectives and journeys, and each with golden nuggets of wisdom which might just change your life. I'm Tracy Stone, and I'm a master trainer in a number of career supercharging techniques, a transformational coach, international best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and a woman discovering and evolving my very own limitless potential day by day. for another episode of Limitless Potential and today I'm delighted to welcome an amazing woman Chelly Phillips who is a speaker coach and trainer and she's joining us today from beautiful Georgia in the US. Chelly is a sweet tea sipping sassy southerner and that's in her own words with a passion for helping dynamic career-minded professionals to stand out for all the right reasons. She's a coach, a corporate trainer, motivational speaker, as well as the author of two books already with a new book just being launched this coming weekend. When in doubt, delete it and get noticed, get hired are the existing books. And she is also the host of the exciting podcast Culture Secrets. She has spent over 25 years in the utility industry where she received numerous state and national awards for her first-rate communication and public relations skills. And now she uses those same skills to help people create an authentic personal brand designed to get them noticed and hired. Shelley has developed award-winning employee engagement programs which have received national recognition and are now being modeled across the US and she works with corporate leaders to design and create company culture encouraging employee growth, employee support and community. And here she is with us today to talk about her journey and how she taps into her very own unique and special limitless potential. Welcome, Chelly. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Tracy. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Oh, me too, because I know that you and I have got a lot of similarity in our background in terms of the experience that we have and the the way that we've worked, the kind of things that we've worked on. So I'm looking forward to getting very stuck into this and having a great chat today. So as we get going on this, Chelly, what I always like to do is help our lovely listeners to know a little bit about you by understanding your journey and what brought you here today. So if you would, can you take us right the way back in time and tell us about young Chelly growing up and just take us through that journey? Yeah, so, you know, being an author, I knew early on that I wanted to write. 
I remember a friend and I, like we were having spend the night parties and we would make our own storybooks. She was the artist. I was the writer. I'm still a stick figure person. If you ever see me doodle anything, it's not going to be recognizable, but she was very talented and she would create the pictures and I would create the story and we would just spend hours doing that kind of thing. So I followed that passion through life. Um, worked in journalism for a while, both in radio news for a, a, a little stint, but I just did not like the early wake up calls. <laughs> and then went into a newspaper where I was features editor for a while for a newspaper. And that's really where I got the, the, the bug uh, and, and realized that we all have our own stories and how important it is for us to be able to tell them in a way that highlights the things that we want people to know about us. And then from there, went into corporate public relations where I spent years in utilities, and I was telling the corporate story at that point in time. So my life has kind of revolved around storytelling. And then as I've transitioned and with my own business and, and speaking and stuff, is being able to tap into that for people so that they can tell their career stories in a way that gets them hired and noticed, and companies being able to get the right people in the right positions so that everybody succeeds and thrives and and that they're doing the things that they enjoy and they're being valued for the skills that they bring to the table. I, I think that's amazing and just how you describe it at the end so they're valued and they feel valued for the skills that they bring. I would say that a great number of people would put their hand up to say they don't feel valued. Um, yep. This is a two-way street isn't it to getting to feeling valued. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you help people on that journey? Yeah, and so it, it is most definitely a two-way street. And um, the more that I've been doing private coaching with people, especially in the last several years, you know, I think the past few years that we've had, people have really reevaluated. Is this what I want to do? Is this the place I want to be? Do I want to spend eight hours a day here? When I was doing research for the latest book, I think it was over 90,000 hours of our life that we spend at work. And, you know, if half of those are horrible, I mean, just think about the time and, and what it's doing to us personally, you bring home those feelings with you. So your spouse is impacted, your kids are impacted, your friends are impacted, because you're not your best you if you're showing up someplace every day where you, you just really despise being. And so you know, working with people to be able to brand themselves. I call it building your personal brand, just like we do for a marketing campaign for a company or an organization. You want to be recognized for the things that are important to you and the skills that you are bringing to the table. But then even more so today, I think, is our personal values that we have, the things that matter to us, whether it's expressing gratitude, whether it is feeling part of a team, whether it's collaborative environments, whether it is, you know, whatever it is that you, uh, whether it's a sense of community, whatever it is that you value as a person, that you're also getting some of that in the workplace too. Because when we are spending all of those hours of our days and our lives someplace, we want, we want it to gel with who we are personally. Like, I don't want to be one person at work and one person outside of work. I want to be able to bring those lives together. Because we truly do. You never know what's going on in somebody's life that's working in the cubicle next to you or down the hall from you, but we bring those experiences to work with us. And when we can feel that mesh of my outside life and my work life are cohesive, then we're much happier, we're much more productive, and then the business is also much more successful as well. 
You're, you're so right. And for many people, they'll be thinking, well, that's just a, a dream uh, to be able to make all of that work in a way that feels right for me and authentic for me. Um, can you take us through it, some examples of uh, situations either that you have had to overcome in your career to get there or maybe somebody you've helped to do that? Yeah, I'll be happy. I'll, I'll share a personal story with you because, you know, I, one thing I think about is if you're going to coach people and if you're going to work as a trainer is like, you know, one of the things that we have to be is very authentic. And I think people should know where I'm coming from. And, you know, I've been in that job where it felt, you know, like you pull up in a parking lot and you're like, you're having to give yourself that pep talk. Okay, you can do this. You can go in today. You can make it. Just keep your head down. Life's going to be all right. Sooner or later, you know, like you'll figure out how to make this work. And, you know, in my case, we had a management change at an organization where I'd worked for over 20 years. And it was amazing to me because I really, at that point in time in life, had not thought about one person could have such an impact and make such a change in the way you felt about where you were and what you did. And so we had the new manager come in. And like I said, I worked in public relations and, and still do at a different place now. But, um, you know, he basically devalued that work, basically didn't think it was important, that it was not a function that really mattered um, because of the industry that we were in and the way things worked. He just, he's like, it's a waste of time and money. It's just fluff. There's no ROI on it. And, you know, I, I tell a lot of people, I said, and I don't say this to brag, it's like I had, a, you know, a whole bookcase of awards that said, okay, you know what you're doing. But when I had him telling me every day that this is crap, we don't need to do it, it's not worth putting out there, why waste your time, just work on something else, we're not going to spend any time or money focusing on this, how easy it was for, you know, in a six month period of time, for someone to make me doubt myself, when I had 20 years of experience saying, you know what you're doing, and you're good at what you're doing. And, you know, I take that. And then when you leave work, you know, it's that immediate, oh, okay, I'm done. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to try and fake it anymore today. But then you take it home, like we were talking about earlier. And, you know, I'm sure my husband was like, oh, God, how much longer am I going to have to listen to this? Because you have to debrief and you have to de-stress and you have to get it out. So if you can't get it out at work, you take it out on family and friends. And like, I'm sure I had those friends who were like, oh, my goodness, we're going to have another lunch and she's going to rail about the boss, you know. And so, you know, like, so eventually you make the choice of, do I stay here or do I go? And for me, that came after an email that I got um, over, over a magazine production that we were putting out and, and basically told me his 17-year-old daughter didn't like our magazine. And it was something that was designed for 55 to 70-year-olds. So if the 17 had really liked it, I'd been really surprised. But he didn't see the concept, didn't understand what it mattered, like how it's put together, the demographic research, anything like that. And basically concluded his email being, you know, I guess you must have got your skills out of a box of Fruit Loops, like the prize inside. And I tell everybody that was the worst moment and the best moment for me, because after I got over being just furious and pitching a tantrum and everything else with the people around me, what it did was make me actually stop and think that, yes, I am the prize inside. 
you know, I am worth something. I have that value and it's on you that you don't recognize it and you're not putting it to work for the betterment of the company. So I'm not going to stay here any longer. I'm going to practice what I've been preaching. I'm going to build my brand and I'm going to put it out there in a way that people recognize the talent I bring and find other opportunities. So when I work with clients, I tell them, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because I've been there, I've done that, and I realize the importance and the power of branding yourself in the right way. You're, you're so right. Branding is so vital. Um, but as you're describing that, it's putting in mind for me the, um, the, the real importance, not only of you realizing this is not working for me here, uh, this um, set of morals and values that this new leader has got, don't work for me and I'm not happy and I don't have to say I'm going to find something that works better for me. You learned a lot about how to stand up and say, actually, no, I'm not going to be convinced that I am no good. Uh, but he is a leader and they as an organization lost a valuable team player. And this is what happens in businesses that if they don't have the engagement models right, if they don't value and care for their employees, then employees will leave and go elsewhere. Um, Absolutely. They will vote with their feet. They will. <laughs> they will <laughs> Most vote. definitely. They will. You will put up to it to a point and then you're like, sooner or later, it's going to be like, this is not worth it anymore. There's something else out there and that's what I'm going to go pursue. But it takes both sides of that because it takes the organization being aware of having active programs in place and values and whatever it takes to ensure that your values are brought through your employees and that they are engaged in. And then it's also important for the individual to know how to brand themselves in order to be seen and valued as a valuable team player. So there's two different sides there, isn't there? Yes. Um, so the new book that you mentioned that's coming out this weekend is called Culture Secrets. And I, I look at it as a kind of a, a five five-step formula. I call it building a value culture inside the organization. It starts with vision, there's accountability, there's the leadership element, there's the uniqueness of the people that work there because of everything they bring to the table with them, and then there's the engagement that you're hoping to create when you get the culture right inside the organization. And, you know, part of that, the real key to that is that leadership that's in that equation. And so many times in business, we see leaders get get put into a position that they're not really the right fit for. They may be great at a process or they may be great at a production aspect or they may have longevity, but no one has ever taught them how to coach and how to bring out the best of their team or how to build that collaborative environment that everybody is really clamoring for these days. Nor have they told them, you know, like how to give feedback in a way that's productive and, and can help someone grow or the importance of two-way feedback so that you understand the goals of the employees that you have working for you and how can you help them achieve the things that are important to them? Because if you're helping them meet their personal milestones, 
they're going to stay and be long-term productive employees for you because they're getting what they need inside that organization. So it really is a two-way street. Both parties have to be, you know, engaged with the process. I'm showing up, I'm doing my job, I'm telling you what I need as the employee. And then on the corporate side, the leaders there are listening, they're giving them the environment they need, they're providing the training, they're providing the collaborative opportunities, they're providing the feedback, but it's all done in a way that meshes and works together and goes back to those values that we were talking about, that everybody is working towards that common goal. I love that. And congratulations, first of all, on your third book launching this weekend. That's amazing. Yeah, it's exciting. (laughs) Isn't it? And so you've written, we can see your two books there in the background that you already have. So three books is quite something. A lot of people will write one. Yeah, you know, the, you know, I, I, that that whole journey we were talking about, what I'm going to call the Fruit Loop boss, for for lack of a better word for him, since I don't want to use his name, but, um, you know, I tell everybody having that courage to walk away from there and really start diving into what mattered to me and, and really getting clear on where I wanted to go with life. It kind of something in my brain clicked and, um, the, the pink book back you see back here, the when in doubt, delete it, is really a, profesh, a a personal journey. It's personal success. It's all about the things that I think we as people need and, Um, in our lives in order to be successful. And I mentioned earlier that I was a journalist. And so that book is written in, there's 36 edits that we can make in our life that um, can help us find more joy, success, and clarity. And those edits fall in what I call five buckets. There's things we should delete. There's things that we should begin. There's things that we should move towards or away from because sometimes you'll have edits on your on your work that says, nope, move this paragraph ahead of this one or move this one back here. So the way we work in things and how things happen in our lives matters. So there's the move edit. Then there is the um, the the one that really I like in here the most is is probably the last edit and it's the fifth one and it's called stet. And I don't know if your audience is familiar with editing terms, but that's when an editor goes through your work and they've made a bunch of changes and then they'll come back in the margins and they'll go, you know, after I've read the whole thing, you're right. It was right the way it was. And you'll see the letters S-T-E-T in there. And that whole part of that book is about being authentic to ourselves. And sometimes you have to make those hard decisions that are right for you. And no one else may understand why you're doing it or where it's going. But the results of that, when you can embrace those and you can you can stand solid in who you are, are so important. And so that book was more of a personal journey for me and a personal reflection on what's success. And then the other that you see back there, Get Noticed, Get Hired. For about 14 years, I worked with college women on a campus in, in Alabama. And I was blessed to work with the leaders inside that organization. We had about 200 women that came through every year. And I had about 30 of them that I was really engaged with each semester. And what I kept seeing was these women would go through their their schooling, they'd walk across the stage, get their diploma. And if they didn't get a job offer in their field right to begin with, and they took what I call a get by job to pay the bills or whatever until they could, whether that was retail, barista, whatever it was, that when they did get the offer in their field, it would come in five to $8,000 less than someone who got one right in their field right out of college. Somehow, because they went to work someplace else, it devalued their educational experience. 
That's so interesting. And, and so what we worked with them is that, nope, this is not going to be what we're going to see, is that we're going to show them that your work experience makes you more valuable than the person that just got their diploma and walked out the door. Because you've proven now that you can show up day in and day out, that you can deal with people, that you can work with coworkers, that you've had all of these other experiences, whether it's working with finances or anything like that, you know, like you're bringing more to the table than someone who just has sat in a classroom all these years. And so that's where I really got involved with the personal branding, how important it is to set yourself up for success in your resume. And then part of that book deals with, well, once you've got the job, how do I continue branding myself inside that organization so that I can continue moving forward? So it's really geared towards the young professional. They're first getting their foot in the door in the corporate world. And, and how do we keep that journey moving forward? So I, I call them, it's my three-legged stool. Like here's the personal piece, here's the young professional piece, and then here's the corporate piece with the culture secrets that's coming out now. If yes. we can get all three of those right, we're on an amazing journey. That is amazing. That is just a, a, a beautiful collaboration of your experience. So tell us more about the new book again. Let's Let's dive into that. Yeah, so, you know, probably the easiest way to dive into it is, is to walk through probably the, the five pieces that I call, you know, the, the important piece of that value formula for the culture that you're building. Fantastic. And the first of that is, is the vision. You know, as a leader inside the organization, having that vision is so important because someone has got to set off on that journey. But the thing that's very important to remember is that the vision is not just yours alone. Everybody that is there is going to have to be part of this vision. And so when you can kind of get input and you can start branching out and bringing more people into the process, that vision gets really solidified. And then the other thing I think that people make the mistake of is your mission statement isn't your vision. And, you know, we have all those mission statements around the office. They're, they're plastered up on the wall or they're on pieces of paper that have been shoved in a drawer and nobody's looked at for 10 years now. You know, like that's really not you know, that's not your vision. That's where you were at at that moment. Your mission is to provide X, Y, Z to somebody. But your vision is, what is the big impact that I'm going to have? Why do we do what I have? I call it, it's the why. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek and his, you know, his golden circle that he has. And, you know, like when you can narrow it down to why do we do what we do? Why do my employees show up every day? Why does it really matter? you know, th that was such an important key to realizing that the why is really different than the mission. And I was blessed to be able to interview some, some really interesting people for this book. Rich Sheridan, I don't know if you're familiar with him, um, Chief Joy Officer, Joy Inc. and Menlo Innovations. Um, uh, Daniel Lawrence, who has a, a company there in London in the UK. Um, he's a tech company called Bots for that. And he talks about a startup culture and how that that's even more different than, you know, the corporate structure that a lot of people are used to. And how do you get people in that vision because it's changing and adapting to, as you're growing and building a business. And my favorite of all was... Um, Gary Ridge, who's the CEO of WD-40 Company. And you would think WD-40's mission or their vision is to get rid of squeaks or make things loose so that you can undo a bolt or whatever. But he tells me that their mission and their vision are two totally different things, that their vision is all about creating memories. 
And I would have never put that together, but it's memories inside the workplace, memories inside the factories, memories inside the homes that these things work now because we have this, this, this lubricant that took care of things. And, you know, he really is a culture guru with what he's built there and they That's have a leader. Amazing. Yeah. And so like, you know, like I, I was totally fangirling when I had him on there being able to like talk to somebody that when I was building my own programs internally inside the company I work for now, um, our own internal leadership program a lot. He was like one of the people that I studied and what they're doing there. And so be able to have that one-on-one -on -one time with him and really hear him talk about it in his words and his experiences was just so neat. And I think people will find that um, really interesting in the book when they read it. And so once you move past that vision, you've got accountability and accountability is not just at the top. It has to be everybody's accountable for themselves, no matter what level you are inside that organization, because if you don't have that, you're never going to reach that vision. And then we talked about leadership, the L, you know, and, and the problems that we can have in leadership in today's culture. And then the uniqueness of the people, because everybody has different skills. Everybody is coming at work with different values and different wants and different needs. And, you know, we're seeing a lot now, and you've probably seen this since, since you work with a lot of businesses as well, that people want to do meaningful work. They want their work to matter. And so many times when you're sitting inside an organization, you never see the impact of what you do past what's happening at your desk. And so being able to connect that day-to-day -day experience with the ultimate experience of the customer or the company is so important. And then finally, if you do all that, then you get that engagement that we were talking about that really brings people together, that really, you know, sparks that I like showing up that I'm, you know, like you don't see people trudging from the parking lot, like, oh, I'm back here again, you know, like they're just excited to be there. They have conversations with their coworkers. They're involved in committees. They're active. You know, the break rooms are, are hives of activity and different things like that. And that's what we all want to see. We all want to enjoy where we are and the people that we're with mostly. Oh, you're absolutely right. And I think we've always wanted it, but I think now in this era more than ever people need to feel connected in and valued and that what they offer is important and it is appreciated and I think this time that we're in right now yeah I think this time that we're in right now people feel they can ask for that now exactly. like there's been so much that's happened in the workplace that people aren't afraid to hey there's got to be more than what I've experienced and let me ask for this and let's see what we can find Exactly right. And there will be maybe some um, business leaders uh, listening in who might think, yes, that was all nice to have. I mean, you're, you're talking great there, but I have to do business. So can you talk a little bit about that direct relationship between achieving all of these value things? So vision, accountability, leadership, the uniqueness and engagement how does that then directly support and result in some transition for the business? So I, I love that question because I, I get that a lot with personal branding too. Like if we help our employees build up the personal brand, want somebody else snatch them away from us because they see how great they are, you know, and the answer is no, because you're helping them build up. They're talking about the experiences that they're having. They're going to stay where they are if they enjoy what they're doing in the place that they're at. And so same thing applies to culture. It was really funny when I interviewed a lot of the CEOs for the book, I asked them, I said, so where is the budget line on your, where is the line on your budget that says culture? And, you know, a lot of them, him and ha, they're like, well, there's not, or they're, well, and well, it's employee 
activities or it's, you know, like it's employee satisfaction surveys or, you know, like they pointed to the pieces and the parts, but there was really no, no overall budget for that. And so I think a lot of CEOs hear the word culture and they think fluff. Oh, it's the, oh, it's the happy feel good stuff and everything, but there really is that tangible ROI for that, whether it's increased productivity, it's your customer satisfaction, which means you're going to have repeat customers, and then there are going to be referral customers that come from those that are happy, which adds to your bottom line. It's all about retaining those employees so that you're not spending time, energy, and money rehiring and retraining and putting them back to work. The productivity that we talked about, you have more productivity, which means you're putting out more of what you're selling and it's coming out in a way that doesn't have flaws and errors and everything else. And then you look on the benefits side, you're gonna have people that show up to work, they're happy. So they're not hitting your, your wellness benefits you know, whether that's insurance or your wellness programs or whatever that you have in the same way that they were before, because a lot of people will take sick time just because they don't want to show up and deal with the person that's next to them. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things have a, an actual, you know, budgetary impact on what's happening in that company and it makes them more profitable. And, you know, and, and so when it, when a CEO asked me that, I'm like, okay, how long you got, let's sit here and go line by line here. And I can talk about how this is going to impact this number on your, on your survey or, um, you know, on your overall financial budget for the end of the year, what it's going to look like at the end of the year, when you report back to your, either your board or your stakeholders that say, hey, we did pretty good this year. <laughs> you know? So yes, it very much does have an impact. And then the, the satisfaction levels, when you start tracking that um, with surveying and different things inside your organization, you know, it can really help you identify your high performers so that you know who you want to move around inside your organizations that are going to help even lead down the road that are going to have that experience that you want to have and that are going to be able to help maintain that throughout that throughout the lifespan of your employee cycle. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I love that you talk about linking it into the ROI because it is so important that it is not seen as fluff, not just that it's not seen as fluff, but it's realized that this is not fluff. You can measure the impact of it and you can measure the impact of not having a good company absolutely in business as well. And the, again, coming back to the newer generation of people coming into the workplace, they have a greater value and a greater desire and a greater need to like where they're working than they do have uh, before, than they've ever had before. You know, for many of us starting out, it was, oh, thank God I've got a job. And the culture, what, what, what is culture? What do I care about culture? Now culture is right up there along with the salary, if not more important for many people than the salary that they get. So it's really important to make the business successful and you can measure that in the ROI, but it's really important in attracting and retaining good staff, high caliber staff, because there's a huge cost involved when you are not attracting and retaining, retaining the right people. Yeah, you know, you're talking about the new generation coming in the workplace, you know, it really is true what you said. The research shows that they will take a lower job offer if the culture of that organization is a better fit for them. Mm -hmm. They're, they, they are looking for different things than, say, my, my Gen X generation, you know, was looking at when we were coming in there. We were like, can I pay the bills? Can I do the, I need a house payment. I got a car payment. Like, what's going to pay the bills? And, you know, and even more so going back to that value piece of that is that the personal values, are they in alignment with the company? You see so much now 
is the company, you know, sustainable, talking about renewable and issues, environmental issues, social issues, you know, like they want to know that the place that they are working is care cares about the same things that they care about as people and that you know like when when I was interviewing for my first job and stuff that was never even on my radar like I don't care what they care about if they're going to pay me to do my job that's what I need to know and so it is a new mind shift especially when you think about a lot of the people that are doing the hiring now are coming from my generation or even a generation ahead of that and so it's a different flip in how you have to look at things and how you present things because you really are selling your company now as much in that interview period as the employer the future employee is selling themselves to you exactly right uh, and I've coached a lot of people coming into the workplace and I say exactly the same thing an interview is a two-way thing you are interviewing the organization to decide do you want to be there do they live up to your expectations and they are also interviewing you it's not that you are going there cap in hand it's got to be a two-way thing so right so tell us some of the techniques that you might share so you've talked about the the um, vision and accountability and leadership uniqueness engagement what maybe are some examples of some of the tools or techniques or approaches that you've shared whether it's in the book or with the same concept to the businesses that you work with so i'll give you an example from um a training that i just did a couple of weeks ago now and um, one of the fun things that I like to do when, I, when I'm working with a company and, and I have their employees in a room is, is, is I do this, I, I do what I call a culture mascot. And I ask them to think of someone famous or something that represents their culture. So it could be a movie star, it could be a person from a book, it could be a TV show character, it could be, you know, it could be a mascot from a sporting team, or it could be whatever you want it is, but I want you to think of something that represents your take on what is this company culture. Mm -hmm. And then we spend a few minutes and, and we go around and I want you to then give me six reasons why this, this person thing or whatever that you said is the mascot emulates that what is it about them that you said is the culture that is inside this organization and you know that's something really simple that you can do internally with your own teams or anything and just kind of give you an idea a fun idea even because that doesn't feel like I'm um, for employees that doesn't feel like I'm you know I'm saying anything negative about where I'm at or anything if you've got a supervisor in the room or something like that it's just a fun activity to get their idea and everything and when you start piecing together what they see as that culture icon or who is representing that can gives you a lot of feedback in how they view the organization and the people that are in charge of it and then the values that they assign to that mascot so to say you know um it, it was really interesting in the last one and they were talking um one of them picked a um, sports mascot from from a team that was in in the local area and they talked about that um, they're always at community events and that um, that they're always upbeat and positive and you know you're sitting here thinking well that's awesome if that's what you're dealing with every day if the people around you are making you feel that then a plus on this culture initiative here at this organization you know but then if you have someone that is you know like maybe they give you a um a character out of a john gershon book that's the the, the bad 
you know, the bad actor and, you know, like this dishonest and disloyal and all these other kind of things, then, then you're kind of like, huh, there may be something going on we need to look at. And I think it's even important, you know, it's important for the organization as a whole to have that, but each individual team and, and group that's working inside an organization has their own mini cultures too. And if we can start getting the mini cultures right, it spreads out to the bigger cultures as they go along because we're going to take what we're doing on those teams to the other areas that we're working in as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a fun little exercise that you could take if you if you have a group of people that you supervise or whatever, and just see what they say, see what their idea is of what is that culture inside your team environment right now? How would they, you know, if they had to put it on a billboard, what would they say your culture is? And, you know, that's another thing that you can do is have them write an ad for hiring why should somebody work here and see what they come up with? What are the reasons that they would say this is the best place for me to work? And are they hitting on the things that you think that they should be? Like, are these the things that you think they care about? Or are there other things that you haven't even considered as a leader inside that organization that are really on the minds and hearts of the people that are inside your organization right now? Because I guarantee you that if they're on their minds, they're going to be on your potential employees' minds as well. I love that. that that's a, a great idea. So have they gone through that exercise? Some of them have been through that same exercise of getting them to write the advert. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, that depending on the size of the group with I do a lot of interactive things or sometimes we'll do them as group activity. Um, but I, I do that in but we talk about the the uniqueness of the people and the multi-generations that we have in the workplace now. So how we communicate with each other is so different. And it, and people take, you know, I have a group of mostly millennials and 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 you know younger generation on my on my communications team um, at the company that I work for. And they love text, you know, send me a text, just get it over with. Like we don't need long drawn out email. You don't have to come to my desk, send me a text. But other people in the organization, if I shoot them a text, then it's like, oh, what's wrong? She didn't have all the fluff. She how's your day? All the, you know, like all, you know, so you have to be very aware now that there's so much happening in the workplace that it really isn't a one and done. Like you can't just have a, I'm gonna only communicate one way and that's the way it's gonna be. You really have to meet your people where they are. And you know, when you go that extra effort, yes, it's sometimes it's a duplication, but the impact that you have inside that organization is each person feels like you meeting them where they are and what they need. And you end up with that higher engagement and that higher, you know, set job satisfaction rating where they're going to be your longtime loyal employees because you are meeting them where they are and they feel valued that you're doing that. Wow. Uh, do you know, this book sounds amazing. It sounds like every business, no matter what size they are, really needs to pay attention, more attention to, to what they're doing here. So Shelley, how can people find your book? You're launching it um, this coming weekend. Well, it will already be launched by the time our interview is out there for people to hear. So where can they find it? How can they get engaged with this? So, um, you know, two simple ways. You can always go to my website, um, ChelliPhillips.com. It's going to be there uh, on the site and it'll take you to where you can buy it um, locally or internationally. Um, it's on Amazon. You can get that pretty much anywhere, everywhere. Um, and then 
I am very active on LinkedIn and on Facebook and Instagram. I love to connect with people. I love to have conversations. So if you connect with me, you'll probably get a response back just because that's who I am. And I'm all about the story and figure out who are you and what do you do and why are you interested? And so um, those are the best places to find me, find my books and everything that's going on. And to find out how businesses can improve their ROI by working with you to improve their culture. Absolutely. I love that. I love it so much. Shelley, thank you so much for sharing about it and the very best of luck. Congratulations on writing three amazing books. I'm quite sure there's going to be more to come uh, as well. If, you're, if you've done three, you're not going to be stopping there. But um, that's a, that is just an incredible, uh, incredible distinction for you. So congratulations. Thanks so much. It's, it's been a process, but it's been a fun one. And, you know, this last one, I think, is probably my favorite just because it is so close to my heart and what I do and and being part of the corporate world and seeing it from management side now, you know, the impact that you can have. And so I, I'm really excited about this and hope it has some big impact. Uh, I'm quite sure it will, because we tend to be so busy in business trying to do business and we don't always focus on the, the things that are so vitally important um beyond trying to get the client get the sale run the processes uh we we tend to forget about that and think we'll catch up with it later later doesn't always <laughs> come so true <laughs> just get through the day <laughs> but this will help you to get through that day so it's it's going to make it so much easier to do business and um i i love everything that you're sharing in the book so i'm i can't wait to get my copy and to read it um, i appreciate that oh my gosh i appreciate you writing it Shelley, thank you so much for joining us today any final little pearl of wisdom to share with everybody yeah i'll just say that culture really is the key ingredient to having a successful business that both thrives financially and personally for your employees you know it's and you know it really is like that secret sauce and the more time you spend on it whether you have an official line on your budget or not the more time that you can spend on it the more your employees will appreciate it and the more you're going to see that return absolutely love it Thank you so much again, Jelly, for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining in for another episode. We will see you again soon with another amazing soul, another amazing business leader and inspirational person sharing with you their limitless potential. We will see you soon. Thanks for joining.